gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp, and Rachel Miller is my co-host. And uh, just a couple housekeeping things real quick. We we have a few things, uh, interviews scheduled. There's some really great books coming out or came out recently. And so we'll be having uh, several women authors or a couple of women authors coming up. And this week, um, it's not a surprise to everybody that there's a lot going on in the world. And I don't know about you, Rachel, but um, I... I was thinking a lot about, you know, in the 80s when there was all the talk of, you know, the world's going to end and there's going to be this, these bombs. And they used to have those movies on um, network television movie, like about the end of the world and World War Three. I don't know if they called it that, but it reminds me a lot of that. And I even was thinking, I remember in the early 90s when Desert Storm happened. And I used to go to this church every Sunday night. And um, right after that happened, because a lot of people were like, wait, this is, you know, scary. They felt it was scary, you know, our country having some being at war and stuff like that. And there were so many, I'd never seen that many people come to church. They actually um, had people sitting on the floor on the front and even on the steps going up and stuff like that. And so I, I think there's a, a few things we, we want to talk about. Where is our peace? Cause I think, I think that's an important topic for us as Christians, but and I also think as part of this is sometimes even opportunities for talking to a neighbor that might say, Hey, the stuff that's going on is really scary. It might be an opportunity to share the gospel and, and where our peace is, because we have scary stuff, suffering all the time, and it's different levels of it, right? What's going on right now is pretty scary stuff. You know, a lot of our younger people, maybe the first 
war in this way that they remember seeing this up close and, you know, it's pictures everywhere and videos. In fact, I don't think we've ever had something to that degree, which makes it, I think, even more real, even though it's not on our soil. But there's a lot of unknowns and and that's hard. And I, I think one of the things I was thinking that I want to make sure that I say is it's okay to be sad about what's going on. Sometimes I think Christians are like, well, we just have to be happy and trust the Lord. And we absolutely do have to trust the Lord, but we we also can and should be sad and grieve over um, these difficult things going on, people losing their lives, wars and famine and different things like that. So wanted to just start and say that. Do you have any opening thoughts? Yeah, I was thinking it's interesting you were saying drawing the connection to you know the 80s and us growing up. Uh, I've been explaining, <clears throat> excuse me, talking with my boys a lot about about what's going on because they're they've heard news and they're interested and they're concerned. And you know, I've been filling them in on some of the Cold War things that we grew up with and you know, things that we were, you know, nuclear threat that we we lived under um, as, that was part of the regular news cycle when we were kids. And, and and some of it does help to kind of see it in in terms of cycles of these ideas. And and you're right; it, it's it's appropriate to be uh, aware of what's going on, to be concerned, to pray about it, to think about it, to talk to each other about it, um, and certainly to bring all of our concerns to the Lord. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You know, on a personal note, the other thing I was thinking about is my grandmother was born in Ukraine in uh, Odessa. That's one of the towns they sometimes talk about, not as much as some of the others, but they I've, you know, we'll see a little news flash about Odessa. And you know, that part of the world has really endured a lot. And my grandmother was an Orthodox Jew, and this is in the 19 teens when Stalin came in and, you know, some of her family um, were killed and she had to escape. And here I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, my grandma was a teenager when her and her brother as teenagers, you know, escaped and, you know, the Lord brought them to uh, the United States. And it just, it was just kind of sobering thinking about that. And we have a girl in our group that is in Kiev, um, She's last I checked, she's she's still there. And so we and we have actually a few ladies in our group that are in Ukraine. And um, and we also have some people that have families there. I know some of them have escaped. And so it's just it's a lot to think about. And it it is scary, even though it's not right next to us at this moment. It's it's still a lot, especially when it's um very personally affecting people that we know. What we want to talk about is is peace and remembering that our peace is in Christ. And I looked through, uh, and this might be a good exercise for other people, but I looked up in some Bible dictionaries uh, about kind of the definition of peace, because I always find that very fascinating. There was actually quite a bit when it talked about in Scripture, the different ways that um that peace is used and um, kind of the ways it's defined. And I just want to read a few of them that I jotted down as wholeness of life or body, as right relationship or harmony between two parties or people often established by a covenant, a covenant of peace. And when related to Yahweh, the covenant 
was renewed or maintained with a peace offering as prosperity, success, or fulfillment, which I thought that was interesting, and as victory over one's enemies or absence of war. So interesting to think of it in in all those terms. And when I was looking through the concordance, so often when I'm doing like a word study, I'm always blown away at how like a word is used far more than I than I realized. I knew it was in there a lot, but it's used a lot in a different way. So what do you what do you think of Rachel when you think of peace? Well, you know, peace comes up in so many different ways in our lives. You know, we we think about it in terms of peace versus war. So like that the last of the definitions that you gave that the absence of war or victory after a war. So you're now at peace. Um, We talk about, you know, kind of simply peace and quiet, like in the house. So when things are at rest and things are, are quiet and calm um, or we are at peace, right. Um, Thinking about the, the picture in the Psalms of, um, you know, I have quieted myself I'm like a weaned child at his mother's breast, right? My, my soul is at peace. Um, so that's almost like a being satisfied. A being satisfied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being content. Um, and we talk about with Christ uh, and with God, we have peace with God and we, we pray for peace and we use peace as a blessing in scripture, you know, pr- grace and peace and um it's used in in so many different ways in our lives. Um, And each of those meanings that we use are very similar to the ones from the scripture, uh, the Bible dictionary that you quoted. Um, But it is that sense of contentment, that sense of fulfillment or, or uh, being whole, being um, the right relationship or harmony. We certainly, if you have children in the home, um, you're, you're seeking harmony and peace um, <laughs> between the kids. You're trying. <laughs> trying. No, right? Ho- hopefully. Helping for peace. Please stop fighting. Like how many times? Please, please just stop fighting. Um. <laughs> but but you, sometimes too, and you've probably seen this as your kids have get gotten older. Sometimes when kids are um, young, they can get in little spats over a toy or um, they have a great sense of what's fair. And maybe they'll feel like something isn't fair. And so, and I've really felt like when there wasn't peace and, and then there is, there's, it's very refreshing. Like, oh, I appreciate it more almost if I went from, if the kids were fighting and then I peek in and they're in their rooms playing a board game and laughing and getting along and it's peaceful. Exactly. You know, and one of the, the things that we're going to resources that we're going to uh, link on this is uh, an article I wrote on the God of Peace that was um, a reflection after our my campus minister gave a sermon for a reunion that we were at for RUF, and he was talking about the God of Peace, about what it means in you know, First Thessalonians five when it says, "Now may the God of Peace Himself sanctify you entirely," etc. Um, and, and it's in, like I said, the end of a lot of. Paul's letters, you see grace and peace to you. Uh, you know, what does it mean that God is a God of peace? And and I remember the pastor asking questions about it, like, um, you know, what kind of peace is Paul referring to? So, is this political peace? Well, no, there wasn't political peace then. 
um, yeah. more than there is today, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it is it world peace? Was is there world peace? No. Uh, so it must be some other kind of peace that he's talking about. So he pointed to in Luke two when it's glory to the God in the highest, the angels come and say, and on earth peace among men. Um, and we sing about it in heart. The herald angels sing, right? That that you know, peace on earth, goodwill to men. That God and sinners reconciled is the peace that Paul is referring to. God is at peace with us um, because Christ has paid the penalty for our sin and provided us with access to the Father, to God, and we are at peace with God. And that is a, that is a beautiful sense of the word. That we are in right relationship. We are, um, as the in the illustration that the uh, pastor gave was, God ain't mad anymore, right? That's a great way. I like God that. God ain't mad at us, right? God ain't mad at us, right? And yeah, exactly, right? We we're at peace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that puts everything else in perspective. Even when there is war and there is a lack of harmony and a lack of wholeness and a lack of um, contentment and, and fulfillment around us. Right. So even when everything else around us is, is not peaceful, we have peace with God, which means that we can trust him with all those other situations. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And I have had situations in my life where I even just feel it, even though the situation isn't resolved by God's grace, I, got, I feel a peace because I am trusting in the Lord. I know with his help. And it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Doesn't, I don't understand it, but I do feel peace about this, even if it's not peace, peaceful at that moment. So one of the greatest examples, and you touched on it, of peace is um, that is because of Christ's life and death and his finished work for us. Uh, I love Ephesians 2, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. You know, in the beginning, it talks about how we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and he made us alive in Christ, which I think is such an amazing picture because we were literally dead and he makes us alive. And then I skip down to, and I think everyone knows Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you know, it talks about by grace, you are saved through faith. And, um, but in verse 14, for he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh, the enmity, which is the law of commands contained in ordinances so that he himself might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. And that's a a great picture. You know, now we have peace with God. We don't have enmity any longer for through him. We both have our access in one spirit to the father. And that, that kind of gives a a great picture of of peace and kind of continues in what Rachel was talking about, because 
because of Christ, because, you know, he's not mad at us anymore. We are right with him. There's peace now because of Christ's finished work. Exactly. You know, one of the other articles that I wrote that I'm going to link is one called Christian, where is your hope? And it's related to the same idea. And because I struggle and have always struggled in my life with anxiety, I have at times sat down and thought about, you know, what, where is my hope? What am I putting my hope in? What am I looking for, for my sense of peace and security? And, and remem- remembering, like, I, I made a list and it's in this article about places my hope is not, right? My hope is not in my finances or in my health. It's not in my children, not in my husband, not in my career, not in my ability to control my life, not in my appearance, not my independence, not in around, those around me. And my hope is not in me, right? But these are all things that are good things, many of them, right? But they're not where my hope is. My only hope is in Christ. And of course, that brings you to, you know, what is your only comfort in life and in death? Where is our only source of peace and hope? And the Heidelberg Catechism question one, I am not my own, but belong body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And he has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and set me free. And, you know, these are the hope. This is our hope. This is our peace. He is the source. He is um, our assurance. He is the reason that we have peace and hope. Amen to that. And I would I would recommend if you haven't memorized Heidelberg one one, even if you're not somebody who does a lot of memorization, um, years ago, like um, think around when I was pregnant with my third son. So it would have been the year two thousand. Uh, I took the time to memorize uh, that question one, question and answer one. And I can't tell you how often when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm looking to other things, trusting in other things, hoping in other things and not in Christ, that I am, I'm reminded of where my only comfort in life and in death is in in my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. So uh, one of the things I used to do too, as a practical thing is I, well, I still do it. Um, I'll write, if there's like a verse I'm trying to remember or a catechism question, I'll write it in note cards and I'll put it in the kitchen where I wash dishes. <laughs> and so I'll see it there and I'll put it in my bathroom mirror. And um, sometimes, you know, without even a lot of trying just from doing that and reading it a couple of times when I'm washing dishes or uh, in front of the bathroom mirror, uh, you know, before I know it, I've I've memorized it, and I find that one especially helpful. In a popular passage, you know, since Rachel's talking about the um, the things that she wrote um, about hope and peace, you know, that she wrote to be read before Christmas. Uh, one of the passages we hear during Christmas time a lot is. Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Do you think of um, the Messiah? (laughs) Whenever I read this, I can hear the music in my head. (laughs) Uh All of that music. and But it's one of those things that, you know, we we tend to, to associate the passage and, and even the music with, with Christmas, and, and that's fine, but it's so much more than just 
you know, the the one time of year thought about, you know, Jesus as, you know, the incarnate Christ, the, the one who came uh, for us to pay for our sins. But it's more than just Christmas. You know, this is a year round, all the time important thing to us that he is our Prince of Peace, that he is um even like the the hymn in uh, Joy to the World, right? It, it's only only tangentially Christmas, and we only, it's a sad thing that we only sing it at Christmas and associate so strongly because there's so much more there. Right? There's a lot of, of of good strong theology in in the hymn um, that's very applicable to the rest of the year for us. Yeah, that's true. I I had a pastor once that if a Christmas hymn fit with his sermon. We were singing joy to the world in March or in July. He said, well, I know you guys associate this with Christmas, but it fit with the sermon this week. So sometimes, and you know, I'm a, you know, turn on Christmas music year round sometimes person. Mm -hmm. So uh, a very comforting passage from John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And, you know, uh, Rachel, you always post every Sunday the passage from Matthew that's uh, very comforting. And this is another one that I look to when I'm feeling unsettled. Um, let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. But thinking in terms of, you know, not, not the peace that the world offers, but the peace that I give to you. And maybe even thinking how how we think about peace, you know, thinking that we we do desire peace in the world, but it's it's different than the peace that Christ gives to us. The passage going on, uh, John sixteen thirty three, and it says, "I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation or trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world." And I, I love the fact because it that speaks to. Jesus is telling his disciples, knowing what's coming after he dies and after he's resurrected, knowing what's coming for them as far as martyrdom and, and persecution and trial and war and famine and, and all sorts of horrible things around them and telling us the same thing, that he has given us peace in the midst of all of these troubles, not he has given us some kind of past so that we won't ever have troubles, but that we have peace with him through the trouble. I even think of um, Romans when it talks about nothing can separate us from the love of God. Mm. So even in the most difficult, difficult times, there's nothing that separates us from the love of God and from the peace that he gives to us. Um, Philippians 4, 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. There's there's so many passages. I I would actually encourage um, going to your concordance if you don't have one. There's um, a lot of them online. I I use Bible study tools a lot, but at Bible least Hub for has a good one too. Oh, Bible Hub. That's yeah, that one. That's actually what I meant. I get those two mixed up. But um, I just find it so helpful when I'm you know thinking about a topic like this to kind of go through and see all the places in Scripture where it's talked about. So one of the ways that we apply peace and talking about peace and um, is 
you know, we have peace with God, as we've been talking about through Christ. But because of that, then we can have peace or we should pursue peace with each other, right? So, people talk about the vertical and, and the horizontal, right? We have this our relationship with God, and when it's at peace, and because it's at peace through Christ, then we are also called to, to forgive others, to be forgiving, to pursue peace. And so, we have passages like Philippians 4, rejoice the Lord. Always again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle be spirit to know, be known to all men. The Lord is near. Um, and, you know, we're rejoicing, and we're being at peace, and we are uh, called to be gentle with each other. I read um, on Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals a, an article about peace, and I'll link it in the episode notes um, by uh, Kelly Capic, and I may be saying that incorrectly, but I'll, I'll link it. Uh, and he says, because one can rejoice in the Lord, believers are free to let their reasonableness be known to everyone. In other words, you don't need to defend your agendas. You don't need to always be right. Rejoicing in God's grace, we are freed to be reasonable, free, free from being ideologically driven in such a way that we fail to listen, to empathize, to love. I believe Paul is echoing the reasonableness we learn about from Isaiah. And one of the reasons that little quote stuck out to me is because I, I feel so much right now that there's a lack of, of peace on things that I see on social media and Douglas Birch on about his book, posting peace. And there, there are sometimes things that um, are really out of our control and, you know, the way other people respond to us is definitely out of our control. But I, I think that being an, an example of pursuing peace and, you know, listening empathizing, those sorts of things, um, do pursue peace is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. And it's, it's so easy for every single one of us to, you know, want to be right and different things like that. To the point, one of the things I see, like on social media, that kind of cultivates a lack of peace is people will what tends to happen is there's kind of talking past each other. There's not listening. There's not empathizing. There's not loving your neighbor as yourself. There's kind of, you know, I'm going to be right. And um, a lot of times, even in those situations, then you have people misrepresenting each other because they haven't even listened to understand the other person's point of view. Anyways, and, and then there ends up being a lack of peace. And even though it's social media, you know, it's it's sometimes easy to behave these ways because we're not um, with each other in person. And I've never really seen people treat each other in person to the ex extent. They, I mean, they can treat each other poorly in person, too. But I, what's so common on social media, I don't run into on a regular basis in, in my real life, even when other people are behaving badly and maybe not pursuing peace, we can still seek to. Um, let our reasonableness be known to everyone to to be the one that pursues peace. I think the passage that that I go to the most often with that is the Romans twelve, right? If it possible, as far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. And that that as far as it depends on you, right? It, it, we can't control 
how other people are going to respond, especially as, as believers. And we're, we're, we're sharing the, the gospel and the word with others and people are going to get upset with us because of that. Like we see that, you know, going back to Christ, you know, the world does not accept us. The world is going to hate us because we are his uh, and because we are telling them about him and the gospel. But, you know, as far as it depends on us, we should be peaceful. We should be gentle. We should be loving and kind with each other. And it's, of course, not always possible. There are times when we have to, throughout history, there's times when war has to happen. There's times when, when we have to have difficult conversations that, that seem to break the peace around us. Uh, but when we are seeking peace in the sense of seeking God's peace, seeking truth that is uh, rooted in him and rooted in Christ and who he is and what he has done for us, then we are peacemakers in calling others to him to be reconciled with him. You've probably had this situation with kids because I, I would bring up that passage, you know, mm-hmm. as 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 much as it is up to you. And you know, your one child says something mean to his other child and was like, well, he did it first. And I mean, we do that as adults too. Someone says something nasty to us and we're like, well, I'm just going to be nasty back. He started it, you know, um, but maybe pausing and saying, okay, there's a soft answer turns away wrath. You know, that that's, you know, uh, another thing we see in scripture. So, um, and maybe it doesn't work, you know, but but still being mindful of of what it is that the Lord has called us to, and he has called us to be peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And Rachel talked about the Romans 12, 8, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Um, and Ephesians 4. I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That passage always just gets me so powerful thinking through it. There's just so many places, and there there are more places that we could go in Scripture to look at peace, both the concept and the word. I really do encourage you, like uh, Colleen has mentioned, to go to those, uh, to go to a, a Bible search concordance and look for words, uh, look for peace and look where it shows up and study some of the passages and see if it helps encourage you, especially if you're struggling uh, with feeling worried and anxious uh, right now. Yeah. One one other thing you can also do, which I, I love to do is... Um, like if if you're meditating upon a certain passage, I will go and look up Matthew Henry's commentary or Calvin's commentary, whatever your favorite commentary is, and read about it. And sometimes um, I find that really helpful. Also, um, one other one that I wanted this is one of my favorites, and I I memorized it uh, a few years back. But uh, Romans fifteen thirteen, uh, it's now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing. So you will bound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's kind of a good, uh, similar to like a doxology to mm-hmm. wrap everything up. That fits yeah. very nicely. 
one of the, I'll just say lastly, one of the, if you're struggling with this, I don't, I know everyone's different. So, you know, what works for me may not work for you, but sometimes I'll take a passage and I'll write out a prayer and I'll use that passage in the prayer. And um, I've found that to be very helpful, especially if I'm struggling, if I'm feeling unsettled uh, the last couple of days, uh, going through something, we're buying a house and I felt very, very unsettled and went and looked at a couple of these passages specifically um, and used those for um, praying to God that that he would help me have um, peace and calm. So I will put a few things in the episode notes, including the two things that Rachel that the two things that Rachel wrote are devotionals and I highly recommend they're they're not very long and they're they're really um, helpful on this subject. So definitely check those out. You can find those all in the episode notes and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.